Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. All right. Well, good morning. Have a seat. Amen. How you doing? <laughs> How are you doing? just singing about Jesus, and y'all are like, I'm fine. Hey, uh, if you're a guest, my name's Trey. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I love, yeah, 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 and uh, I love getting getting to teach, and my favorite thing is when I get to teach with my favorite person, which is my wife, Danielle, uh, and also, hold on, 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 and I really love it. Hold on, said, you want to hear this? I really love to teach with her on her birthday which is today. Thank you for the birthday wishes. I appreciate that very much. Is this when we want to talk about the fact that I'm two years older than you? Like, I wasn't going to. I I don't think any of them would look at us and believe that statement to be true. It is true, but you can't tell. (laughs) No, I'm so excited to be a part of this conversation today. And, and honestly, to spend my birthday with my favorite, some of my favorite people um, in this faith family. And gosh, can we just give a little shout out to our worship team, help prepare our hearts every week? I mean, um, if you're new to our church, if this is your first Sunday here, the time we just spent singing those words, I hope it, it spoke to your heart because we mean them, we believe them, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. We are glad, uh, and uh, we're in the middle of a series. We started several weeks ago. It's called Family Tree, and so if you missed any of it, if you're a guest today, uh, if you don't have it already, grab our app. Great way to stay connected with us, but also you can go back. You can see where we've been. We put all our content there. Um, our series all build on each other, and so this is week four. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up next week, um, but we've really been asking a pretty basic question, and it's this. What is my family tree growing in me? And we're asking that because it's a universal question. We all come from somewhere. We all come from someone, uh, whether it was a biological family, an adopted family, maybe aunts, uncles, cousins. Uh, We were all raised by someone. We all had some authority figure speaking into our life. And we need to ask the question, hey, what's my family tree growing in me? Because we talked about for the last few weeks, there are messages, there are narratives, there are assumptions about life that not only do we carry, we pick them up so early Mm -hmm. that they feel natural. They feel completely self-evident to us. And so we've been asking this question for the last few weeks so that we could see if there's anything we picked up, any messages, any narratives, maybe some wounds from our past uh, that our Heavenly Father wants to correct. So we, we talked week one about when we become Christ followers, we get adopted into a new family. Our family tree changes. And really one of the big reasons we've been looking back for so long is so that we can answer the question we want to talk about today. Uh, Because it doesn't stop with us. You know, how do we pass on a healthier family tree? How do we make sure that what we're passing to our kids, to our grandkids, to our aunts, to our uncles, whoever, how do we make sure what we're passing on is not just better, but is in line with what God wants for our lives? Yes, and a couple of things right at the top today. um, With messages like these, um, it's a little like... Um, drinking from a fire hydrant. We're going to pass on a lot of information today that we hope that that your relationship with God and the Holy Spirit moves in you this week. Um, and so if you take notes today, it's a great 
day to take notes, um, but we also like to clear up at the top one very, or two very important things. One is that um, we do not have all the answers. We are not parents who are sitting up here trying to talk to you from these decades of forged experience. We are in the trenches with you, and if you were in our house this morning getting ready for church, you'd be like, yeah, you are. Um, it was it was a crazy morning. Um, but our, our boys are currently, we have three boys. They're 18, 16, and 13. So Pause. we are... Yeah. <laughs> and shout out to any families in the room who may have three or more boy, it, boys in their family. It is a special energy that no one else understands. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we are parenting from that place in that place, but we really do hope today that God can, um, can speak through us to give you some, maybe some tips or um, information that will help you parent more in line with what he wants to make our family trees healthier. So we're not perfect parents. Um, I mean, so we don't have all the answers and we are not perfect parents. Um, and if you, you know us, I say this all the time. If you are looking for a church where the pastors are perfect people and their children are perfect people, this is not the place. We are normal people just like you every day asking the Lord, what do you want me to do next? And so we don't have all the answers. We are not perfect parents, but I want you to know today, no matter how you come into this room, we may not know your story, but God does. And I want you to sit with that comfort this morning, that no matter how you come into this room and whatever we're talking about here, God knows your story and he knows what um, plans he has for you and for your family and for your children. And so we hope that you'll lean into that a little bit today. Yeah, and number three is that we can all become better parents. Yeah. And, and I, I want to speak directly. Maybe, maybe your children are adults. You can still become a better parent. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you have grandkids. Maybe you have nieces and nephews. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe you're a tra- We can all get better at how to love and lead the next generation. Um, and, and, and honestly, that, that's really uh, what the core of this series is about. It, it's not just simply an exercise of looking back to figure out what's going on with us. That's helpful. That's important. But we need to understand us so that we can pass on better, mm-hmm. so that we can pass on Jesus. So that's sort of the foundation of, of where we're going. And as she said, we're going to try to move pretty fast today. Um, that's why we record them. You can go back and watch it again. But I want to take you really quickly to sort of, sort of an anchor text that, that I hold to in parenting. Uh, I know Danielle does. Um, and it really just sort of opens the door for what I believe is, is sort of God's best uh, for parenting our children. It comes from uh, the New Testament. It comes from the book of Ephesians, which was a letter written by this guy named Paul to the church in Ephesus. And it's sort of a general how to be a Christian letter. And in chapter 6, verse 4, he says this. He says, fathers and parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Let's just stop there because I know you're already rolling your eyes. <laughs> You're like, I made my children angry this morning because I made them put on pants. <laughs> I made them angry because I made them eat dinner. I make them take out the trash. But, but don't focus on that word yet. What Paul's doing is he's speaking to an audience that at the time had basically unlimited power and authority over their children. Mm-hmm. And he's not really focusing on them and us so much as he's making a contrast. So he's saying, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Then he adds, rather, bring them up with the discipline 
and instruction that comes from the Lord. And what he's basically saying is, hey, rather than parenting your way, rather than parenting maybe the way you were parented, what if you made your standard, you made your goal, you made your model, not the rest of the world, but your heavenly father? And you chose to lead your children how he leads you. He's doing what he always did. He's elevating the standard of how we treat other people, specifically people who have absolutely no power in the relationship. And so he's inviting us first to contemplate how we're parented by our Heavenly Father and then to pass that on. So we want to give you some basic principles at the top. So really quick, how do we pass on a healthier family tree? It's really two things. And everything we say for the rest of this series, the, the, the sermon today is really just going to come back to these two things. Okay? How do we pass on a healthier family tree? Number one, we choose to follow Jesus with our life. Again, that, that, that's simple. Uh, we cannot raise our children with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord unless we are receiving that discipline and instruction. Mm-hmm. Unless we have an active, growing relationship with Jesus where we, we spend time with him, we allow him to speak into our lives, we follow him, we let him prune us, as we talked about last week, we let him correct us. Um, one of the things I love about our church is we have people attend every week who are checking out Jesus. You may not have a faith in Jesus yet. Um, and I want you to know, man, we're, we're honored that you're here. And after today, if you're like, you know, I want, I want to raise my kids well, I want to do these things, but, but I don't know Jesus personally. That's one of the reasons we have the Blue Room. And we would love for you to stop by, for us to have a conversation with you. A couple weeks ago, we actually uh, got to lead a person to a relationship with Jesus just in the Blue Room. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to do that because that really is the anchor. Yeah. Because we choose to follow Jesus, and then we simply lead our children as Jesus leads us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, everything else we're going to say builds on those two truths. We follow Jesus, and we follow him as we try to lead our children. So I want to take you back to the verse real quick because there's something I want you to see. When he says, fathers, he says, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. What I really think he's doing there is he's, he's, he's revealing there's a way our Heavenly Father approaches us that is not always the way we as parents approach our children because our Heavenly Father knows us perfectly and He knows our needs and He knows how we need to be approached. And, and for us, before we can even get to the nitty-gritty of parenting, we need to establish how He approaches us so that we can begin to approach our children the same way. Yeah, and the way God that approaches us is all about relationship. I want you just to sit for a moment and think about what draws you to Jesus. What draws you to your relationship with God? It's that he wants to connect with you before he ever tries to correct you. He wants, he wants to know you. He wants you to show up and be yourself with him. Every morning when you wake up, uh, new mercies every day, you get a fresh start. Um, he is all about relationship and wanting to connect with you personally. And so for us, our sort of like North Star, the it for our parenting, what we really, really always wanted the goal to be, um, and we feel like God models this for us, is that we have a healthy relationship with our children so that whenever they had, because they will, when anything comes up in their life, the struggles, the hard parts, the victories, they knew they had someone they could come to. 
that our relationship with them was always open so that we could have the right to point them to Jesus. Um, you know, this is one of the things that we've observed as we've parented this for um, 18 years um, is that a healthy relationship comes down to a few things that all humans need. And it really does, it is based on a lot of what Paul says here because it, it talks about relationship and emotions. So here are some things we feel that all humans need and we've observed. We need to feel seen, safe, I'm sorry, safe, <laughs> seen, heard, and loved. I want you to think about when you are with someone that you know that you trust completely for just a second. What is it that makes you trust them? Is it the way they lock eyes with you? Is it the general, like, you're okay with them? That's called feeling safe. They see you for who you are, that you don't have to pretend to be someone else with them. They stop long enough to listen to what you say. And by extension, through all those things, you feel this connectedness. You feel loved. And every day, that's what God does for us. Every day, he reminds us we are in a healthy relationship with him, hopefully, and that he offers these things to us. And so it became a bedrock sort of of our parenting that this was how we wanted to approach relationship with our children. We wanted them to feel safe, seen, heard, and loved so that they always trusted us to speak into their life. Yeah, and again, this isn't the end. This is the beginning, okay? This doesn't mean you approve everything. Correct. It doesn't mean you accept <laughs> everything. It doesn't mean you don't course correct. It doesn't mean any of those things. Here's what I know about my Heavenly Father. I am safe with Him, and I know whatever He sees or whatever He hears, He's always going to love. Mm -hmm. And I know that for a fact. And I believe he wanted us to know that, and that's why he wrote so much about the links to which he went to create a world for us. And when we broke it, he sent his son to fix it. So we are safe. He solved the problem before we even knew we had a problem. We are seen. He knows us personally. He knows us individually. Jesus tells us he even knows the number of hairs on our head. For some of us, that number is diminishing. Um, he's like, hey, where'd that go? But he, he sees us. He hears us. There's nothing we can say to our Heavenly Father that's going to make him turn his back on us. Um, we have an entire book in, in the Old Testament called the Book of Psalms, which is simply people's prayers and people's songs to God. And some of those are not great. David was angry with God. David was confused with God. And there was space even in God's holy scriptures, to write down, it's okay to be real with me. You can tell me when you're confused. You can tell me when you're angry. You can tell me when you're upset. You are safe. I see you. I hear you. And I love you. And once we can get that out with our Heavenly Father, that is when the correction begins. That is when the instruction begins. And what we have learned is it is critical, critical that we offer that same safety the ability to be heard, the ability to be seen, and the ability to feel loved to our children. It is the basis of the relationship. We cannot get to the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord until we've established these things. Yes. Oh, and for parents, the, one of the best ways I've heard this um, um, kind of taught or seen it kind of taught is that we sort of have a bucket 
that we hold for our children. Um, that it doesn't mean we approve, but that there's nothing they can bring and put in that bucket. We can hold it for them, but there's nothing they can bring to us that would ever make us turn away. That there's never anything that can break the relationship. Um, one of my favorite times I get to practice this as a parent is when our youngest, who's 13, Jacob, um, will get in the car after school and, and he'll say, Mom, something unfortunate happened at school today and it was my fault. <laughs> That's normally what I always, Something unfortunate happened today and He's it was my fault. He's learned how to present information. <laughs> yeah. well, he is a salesman at heart. <laughs> uh, something unfortunate happened. Yeah, um, something unfortunate happened today and it was my fault. I was watching... Um, the golf tournament on my phone in social studies, and I got caught. And so <laughs> this is literally how it goes. So what is my tendency in that moment? Oh, my gosh, how many times have we talked about putting your phone away at school? What else can we do to make, right? Well, but he was probably watching the Masters, and he learned that from me. He did learn that from you. You're exactly right. I learned it from you, Dad. I learned it from watching you. Um, but... I have learned that the best way for me to be able to continue to correct behavior is that when he gets in the car, I don't jump on the train of, why'd you do that again? Haven't we talked about this? I let him tell me what happened. And most of the time, he will instruct himself right through that process down to the point where he just walks into school and turns in his phone. He's now come up with that own plan for himself. But point being, I could have never gotten there. I can't get there if he doesn't feel like he can bring to me mistakes, failures, uh, you know, sin, all the things. Um, we can create a space where our children can come to us and we, they know that the relationship will never be broken with it. Again, doesn't mean we approve. We have never approved for him watching golf tournaments during social studies. Um, <laughs> no, we haven't. It was the masters. No, it wasn't. It was, it was like a few weeks don't ago. Don't do that. No, don't do that. Um, Another, you know, this is where it's important for us to really, this is where the remaining part, we choose to follow Jesus and then we lead our ch children to, to follow Jesus. The remaining part is where this really comes in, to remain in Jesus, like Trey talked about last week. Um, because you are never going to know how to perfectly handle every situation that comes up, especially in parenting. And so it is your relationship with the Lord that can instruct you what to do in that moment so that your children maintain this relationship with you. Um, one of the instances that I talk about, poor David, that's our 18-year-old who you saw um, at the beginning of the service if you were here for the welcome. He's an amazing kid. Um, we get to launch him in the fall. Um, it's our first launched kid. Um, he's going off to college. Um, but he had a little rough patch in the seventh and eighth grade. Um, the wheels fell off for me in seventh and eighth grade, and it definitely followed true with our children. And um, in eighth grade, um, David um, found himself in a position where he got suspended from school. And it was his very first big, like, uh-oh, um, he just forgot where he was for a moment, did an eighth grade boy thing, and got in a lot of trouble for it. Um, and when we got the call from school, you know, he's our oldest. We'd never really pandered through any of this. So all the way to picking him up, um, <laughs> the Lord in his goodness um, was there for me as a parent. And I spent that whole car ride going, 
oh God, I don't know what to do. Will you please help me know how to parent in this moment? I've never walked through this before. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to him. I was never suspended from school. I don't know what he needs to hear. Um, And in that moment, the Holy Spirit dropped some words I'd heard a pastor say a couple of years before. His name's Chris Hodges. He pastors at Church of the Highlands. And and he had given an example of how um, this, this is that thing, how God parents us so we can parent our children. And, and he'd shown up for one of his children who'd gotten into some trouble. And the words he said to them, he locked eyes with them. And I did the same with David. And I said, I've never loved you more than I love you right now. And also, you've never needed me more than you need me right now. Because both were true. That in the face of his sin, he was met with mercy. Because that's what God does for us. In the face of all the shame that I knew this amazing young man was feeling, God allowed me as a conduit for him. Because trust me, in my I'm like, do you know how hard I work at parenting you? That's really what I wanted to say. <laughs> this is so hard. What, what made you do this? God said, no, take yourself out of it. Let me speak through you to what he needs in this moment. And it was a pivotal point for us because then we were able, we established the relationship. He was safe for us, the discipline and instruction, because trust me, he got discipline and instruction for getting suspended from school. But he was able to receive it, at least mostly. Not completely, but mostly. So... That's a great example, I feel, of how God parents us, and we can then extend that to our children. Yeah, and one of the reasons we we look back is, is, let's be honest, probably some, maybe most, didn't grow up feeling safe, seen, heard, and loved. Um, Maybe you didn't feel safe in your house to make mistakes. Uh, And it's why you are currently a perfectionist, and it's why you measure your value through achievement, because you weren't safe to mess up. And maybe you grew up in a home where your emotions were too big uh, for your family. Rather than being a bucket you could drop your emotions in, uh, they turned away. And so you learned to bottle that up, to keep it in. You learned emotions weren't safe. Um, and, and the reality is we've got to teach this to our children. Um, the, the, the bucket is just a safe place to put their emotions. Again, we're not valid. We're not saying, yeah, you should feel that way. We're saying you're allowed to feel that way. Because when you allow them to feel that way, you begin to teach them to separate feelings from behaviors. Mm -hmm. We have to learn that as we grow up, that that we can feel a feeling without acting on the feeling. Because that's why God gave us feelings. They are indicators. They are not dictators. We have a feeling because something's going on inside of us. And usually we need a safe place to figure out that feeling so that then we can figure out what the problem is. But if we don't create that safe space, then we just think we have to either act on our feelings, which is a terrible idea. And so it's why our Heavenly Father makes us feel safe, seen, heard, and overloved. And that is, is the core of, of what, and listen to me, you can begin today. Yeah. Okay. Nothing about today is about to look back on yesterday and regret you didn't know this yesterday. You know it today. The goal is to know it today and live it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit in a minute about what to do when we realize, because you will, that, that we've messed up. Um, really quickly, what we want to do, we've established that as a core. We want to take you through kind of the four stages of parenting. And these aren't ours. These come from this book, Parenting. This is actually a, a small group study we're doing right now at the church. If you are a parent and you want 
more community and more talk, you can sign up for that group today. Mm -hmm. um, and so real quickly, th this is Andy and Sandra Stanley. This is kind of how they break it down. I disagree with them a little bit. I'll point that out at the end. <laughs> but uh, they kind of break parenting down in four stages. Number one is the discipline years. This is zero to five years old. And basically what you're doing as a parent here, after safe, seen, heard, loved, after, after you've established nothing you can do can break the relationship with us, you begin to, to discipline. You begin to set rules, to make the rules very clear, to begin to give very clear consequences, clear expectations. The goal is to help them begin to understand the world doesn't revolve around them. There's a right and a wrong. There's a good and a bad, and, and it's better to choose right than it is to choose wrong. Yes, at this stage, they really need to understand they need a leader in their life, and this will later inform their faith. So it's super important in the zero to five years that we lead them, that we teach them right from wrong. For example, I taught Jacob, our youngest, right from wrong, repeatedly during these phases, but still one day we were at the dentist office and he's still famously known for this. Um, his brothers were in the chairs getting work done and my purse was sitting on the floor and within two seconds, he'd scooped up my keys and inserted one straight into the outlet that was sitting there and it shot fire up the wall. Um, this was at the dentist office, yeah. Um, and so <laughs> um, he's again, still famously known for that at the dentist office, but Key example, we taught him many, many, many times during that, those years. You don't stick things in the socket, but if there wasn't a plastic thing covering it, he did it anyway. And so this is the phase where you're constantly saying, remember, this is not what we do. I am leading you. You're going to get yourself killed. Don't do that again, right? Um, so discipline year, zero to five, that is really where you establish you're the leader. Then the next years, which happen to be some of my favorite, um, are the training years, uh, five to 12-ish years old. Again, this is all, our children never hit these perfectly. This is just an idea, you know, take the pieces that work for you and your family. But around this age, um, you can start the training years. And this is where you come alongside your children. You lead them, and then you come alongside them and you teach them. You lead them, you come alongside them and teach them. This is when you can explain the why behind your expectations and your rules, that they're not just blindly following, that you're doing this from a place of love for them, um, out, of, out of wanting the best for their life. And in this way, oh, it's so awesome to watch them own who they are and who God can be in their life. Um, the, the famous story from our training years would be that our middle son, John, um, who doesn't struggle in school at all. Our kids all had different struggles, but they have their dad's brain. School just didn't happen to be one of them. Hear me say that. They had plenty of other struggles. School just wasn't one. And John really didn't have to work that hard in school. Um, but every year, first, second, and third grade, that child, I'm training him when to study. This is what you do. This is how you stay on top of your schoolwork. Every year, three years in a row, he had to fail a spelling test at the beginning of every year for him to remember Ugh, I don't like how that feels. I'm going to work harder next time. This is what the training years look like. We'll teach you. We'll let you go do it. And then we'll come back and teach you again. Um, and so if you find yourself in the training years, it's wildly rewarding, but also still a little monotonous. <laughs> um, so just keep going. And you really still have to train them when they're teenagers. So this is for us when it kind of, especially with trash and laundry, in case you don't know that, um, or you find yourself where we are. And they act like it's the end of the world every Tuesday when they have to take the trash cans to the curb. I don't understand it. So anyway, <laughs> training years are rewarding and also repetitive, continuing that.
Yes, they are. <laughs> so from training years, we move to the coaching years. This is, this is 12 to 18. And it's interesting. I feel like this is, this is a transition that is pretty difficult uh, for most parents to, to navigate. Because when you're training, you're on the field with them. It's hands-on. But the goal as they enter the teenage years is that you move off the field, that you get on the sidelines. And you're still coaching, and you're still correcting, but you're not walking on the field every time there's a mistake. And hold on, you did this wrong. You're on the sidelines. And, and if you can call a timeout if you need to. But, but you create a little more space for them to walk in the world, for them to begin to make some mistakes, for them to begin to understand what consequences are, for them to learn they have to do their schoolwork, for them to learn that uh, a due date is a due date is a due date, and mom and dad don't need to email the teacher to ask to extend the due date uh, because that's not what their boss is going to do. Um, for all you bosses, you've ever had a parent call you and say, hey, so-and-so is going to be late today. How'd, how'd you like that? <laughs> so so it's, that, it's that transition to, okay, you're, you're going to be gone soon. You're going to be on your own soon. And so I want to transition, but I want to maintain the relationship so that uh, you still come to me. You still have questions. This is where we teach them to choose to listen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because we give them a little more a little freedom, a little more space, again, all while making them safe, seen, heard, and loved. Yes, and this is also when you see the relationship part um, really be beneficial because th- this is also the ages where they start to really understand their relationship with God, who they are in the world, where they're showing, how they're showing up. Um, and the coaching part is crucial, especially letting them make mistakes. It is so difficult for that to happen. But um, I'll revisit one of the stories from our parenting years, and this would be uh, I just told you about David getting suspended. Um, and so we pulled him off the sidelines. He had his discipline instruction that comes from the Lord. And we encouraged him up, and we sent him back out on the field. And next week, he got ISS, which is in-school suspension. <laughs> So better than three days of -of out-of-school suspension, in-school suspension, here's the good news. Brought him back in. Our relationship isn't. I know you just made this mistake now. We were like, what is happening? Brought him close. Behind closed doors, not in front of him. Right, right. Uh, We were doubting ourselves greatly, but in front of him, man, I was. Um, In front of him, establishing our relationship wasn't torn at all. Um, and the good news, I can tell you, we sent him back out on the field and he's never been suspended again. Um, (laughs) so, um, it's sort of a, it really does work in the face of their mistakes, you offering, um, guidance and encouraging them and coaching them and letting them go back out and make a mistake again. It's not the end of the world. It's how we learn and it's how we learn. We're not perfect. So. Yep, and then the last stage, this is one I disagree with. Uh, they say the friendship stage begins at 18 plus. It does not. I have an 18-year-old. <laughs> he is not ready for me to be his friend. No. He definitely still needs a coach. So maybe we should say 20s, like early 20s, maybe mid-20s, maybe 35. I don't know. It just depends. But you get this is the win. This is the goal. The goal is that once they leave, you will still have authority and a relationship with them. They will still come to you. They will still look to you for help. They will still look to you for guidance when they don't have to. But they simply, they simply choose to. And then you get to continue to, 
speak into their lives and, again, provide the discipline instruction that comes from the Lord the, the same way he does for us. So, again, those are just some stages for you to be thinking about. You, you know what stage you're in or maybe you're past all the stages. Uh, but, but that's just helpful stuff to understand as we then go back to this question, how do we pass on a healthier family tree? Again, I want to remind you, we choose to follow Jesus. We lead our children as Jesus, as Jesus leads us. It, it really is that simple. Uh, but it's also that complicated. You know, I know when we talk about parenting, it feels daunting. It feels overwhelming. And it should. Parenting should overwhelm you. Parenting should feel beyond your reach. Parenting should feel beyond your capacity and your capability. Because that's the only way you turn to your Heavenly Father for help. Mm-hmm. If he wanted you to be able to parent in your own strength, he'd have given you that strength. He doesn't. He wants to parent you so that you know how to parent your child. It's all about relationship. And so we kind of wanted to wrap up with with two things we've already talked about in this series. Uh, If you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about how there are three truths we can rest in while we're looking back on our own past. And it's the fact that no family's perfect. Jesus offers abundant life. Jesus turns bad to good. Well, I've got really great news. Those three truths are also things we can rest in as we move forward and as we try to parent. Mm -hmm. Because as we are parenting, we need to rest in the fact that no family is perfect. You're not perfect. Your parents weren't perfect. Your kids won't be perfect. And here's why this matters, okay? When your kids, depending on the development, maybe up to 6, 8, maybe all the way to 12, 14, you know you're not perfect but they don't. Let me say that again. They don't. In their eyes, you are the leader. You're their first picture of God. And what that means is when you don't have space for a feeling, when they don't feel safe, seen, heard, loved, when they mess up and they get yelled at, when they get messed up and you're frustrated, it never crosses a child's mind well, mom sure messed that up. Well, dad sure handled that wrong. It never crosses their mind that you're wrong. What they learn is that they're wrong. Well, I messed up and they yelled, so I guess I can never mess up again. Well, I went to them because I was scared and they just told me to grow up and not be scared. So I guess I'm not allowed to be scared ever. It never crosses their mind that you're wrong, which is why, as a loving parent, when you mess up, and you will, yes, you have to look your children in the eye and say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have yelled. I shouldn't have lost my temper. I shouldn't have dot, dot, dot. I know you're thinking, how often do I apologize? As often as you're wrong. <laughs> It is the only way to separate you from their Heavenly Father. And it is the only way to assure them that it's okay to make mistakes. And it's okay to have feelings. And that, that, that's okay. If I don't handle it wrong, that's my fault. And we do this in conjunction. Not only is no family perfect, we do this in conjunction with the fact that we know Jesus offers abundant life. See, every time we mess up, it gives us a chance to point to our Heavenly Father who is perfect. He will never let us down. Dad did, and I'm really sorry. 
She wants me to tell a story about when I apologize, but I probably apologize to our children four times a week, and that's a good week uh, because I, I, I am constantly aware of I didn't handle that right, I didn't do this. And I look them in the eye and I say, hey, my bad, I'm really sorry. I need you to know I handled that wrong. There was nothing, there was nothing wrong with you about that moment. I, I let you down. Um, it is one of the most freeing things you can do to your children is, is remind them you're not perfect, yeah. but that our Heavenly Father is, and He, not we, is the one that offers that abundant life. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we've talked about to rest in while, um, while parenting or looking back is that uh, Jesus turns bad to good, meaning that no matter what's going through your head or your heart this morning about where you are, if you've got regrets over things or you're like, this relationship with my children isn't really where I wanted it to be, um, you can start today, and Jesus can stand in those gaps and begin to speak to you and move through you to make change moving forward. It's never too late. That is not a word. There's always hope um, for how we can live out the life God um, wants us to live out. Um, Hold on. Yeah. I, some of you, I'm just, you may need to call your adult children this afternoon. And you just mean, may need to have a conversation and just say, hey, I want to tell you I'm sorry. And that's it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's all about the repairing the relationship. If you broke it or if they broke it, you want to keep that relationship in repair because that's God always is extending the relationship to us, so we want to do the same thing. Um, but Jesus turning things in our life that didn't work out the way we thought they would and turning them to good um, is the perfect place for us to talk about the fact that failure is good. It's not a bad thing to let your children fail. It is one of the hardest things for me as a parent. I'm a rescuer at heart. I don't like it. I want to try to step in and keep them from ever experiencing any pain or suffering. But guys, and it's funny, the, some people between first and second service told our oldest, they were like, wow, they had some stories on you. I can tell you right now, you will never meet another 18-year-old who loves the Lord and other people as much as David Kelly does. And some of that comes from the fact that we let him fall on his tail, told him we loved him, helped him back up, and we kept pointing him to Jesus as he walked. He actually fell out of a tree. Oh, yeah, literally. Uh, yeah, which is one of the times I've had to apologize to him the most because I spent like four nights in the hospital not sleeping, and by the last day, all the Jesus in me was gone, and we had some rough moments in that hospital. But guess what? I apologize. We talked about it a lot. I hope I didn't scar him for life. We actually have open dialogue all the time about, hey, this is probably something you're going to want to talk to a counselor about one day. Just, just go ahead and lay that out. Just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, set aside a counseling fund when you set aside your college fund. <laughs> first. Well, and you may be wondering what kind of parent lets their, cho their children fail. The perfect parent does. My Heavenly Father lets me fail. He's never sent an angel to just stand in front of me if I was going to do something dumb. He gives me space to make my own choices, to learn consequences, and to learn to turn back to him and, and to, to, to learn from those mistakes. And, and as parents, we have to do that for our children. We have to give them space to fail and to make mistakes because they're going to fail. They're going to make mistakes. Wouldn't we rather them do that when they live with us? 
rather than their first taste of failure being when they're off somewhere else. And we've lost the ability to speak like we can when they're 6, 8, 12, 14. Um, It feels weird, but it's part of parenting and it's part of providing them the same discipline and instruction that comes uh, from our Heavenly Father. And it's trusting that He loves them more than we do. And that he can even turn whatever the mistake is, he can turn that bad, that bad to good. Um, really quickly as we wrap up, I um, wanted to remind you, as we did last week, how we move forward. Uh, we move forward the same way uh, with our parenting. We move forward in communion with God. We can't yes. do it without him. Um, we move forward in community with his people. Again, as a church, we, we, you know, we, we have a family ministries um, environment, I think second to none, birth all the way through graduation uh, from high school. We have a plan. We have a strategy. And our goal as your church is to partner with you. We do not replace you, but we want to partner with you. Um, We want to help you walk with your children through the different stages so that when it is time to launch them into the world, you launch healthy, loving, Christ-centered friends Mm -hmm. that you will be able to stay in relationship with uh, for the rest of your life and their life as you hopefully even help them as they try to create healthier family trees. So we do it, communion with God, communion with his people. And as we said last week, in counseling with his guidance, there's nothing wrong with needing help. There's nothing wrong with coming to us and asking for advice, to going to a, to a professional. Uh, there are sometimes we need a professional's help. And, and as your church, we're here for that as well. We have great resources and we'd love to, we'd love to partner with you as we all do our best uh, to wrestle with, with this question. How do we pass on a healthier family tree? How do we give our kids better than was given to us? Isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we all want to do? And as a, as a church, our Heavenly Father's given us a few weeks to, to look back, uh, to maybe understand some of the things we are passing on or might be passing on, and today's given us a moment to change it, yeah. to say, you know what, I'm going I'm to stop today. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to change the way I talk. I'm going to own my mistakes. I'm going to point him to Jesus. And I'm going to trust him that he will be faithful to complete the work that he began. So wherever you are in your parenting journey, we love you. We pray for you. We're with you. Uh, and, and our only kind of challenge today is keep going. Yeah. Keep going. I know it's hard. Keep going. If you need help, ask for it. You've got a church that loves you. Uh, you can join a group today to, to be a part of it. Um, but just just really hope that, that you'll allow yourself to be parented by your Heavenly Father. And then you'll learn to pass that on. Um, and I hope you'll come back next week because we're wrapping up this series with a really special Sunday. Because uh, we've been talking all about family trees. Um, and next week, we're going to learn how each and every one of us has the power to change family trees, um, not only here, uh, but around the world. And so I'm really excited about that. Uh, let me pray for you, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up. God, I love you so much, and we really are just, we're so grateful. We're grateful for your son. We're grateful for what he did for us, and we're grateful that you want to be in our lives, that you are the perfect Heavenly Father. You are a perfect example and that you want to move through us to, to change the world around us, specifically with the people you've given us the blessing of raising. 
And so, Lord, I pray today that our eyes will be opened. Uh, may we fully understand what we receive from you, that you make us feel safe, heard, seen, and loved. And, Father, may we offer the same thing to our children. And as we do, may their relationship be strengthened so that we can provide that discipline and instruction that comes from you. Uh, we do love you. We thank you that you're with us on the journey. And we put the results in your hands. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.